If you're able to stand for the reading of God's Word, I'm going to add a, a, a little bit uh, here to say that um, this session of the 13th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew is a, is, is a really, really powerful section for, for today's church. On the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathering together so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. And some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. They immediately sprang up, but because they had no depth of earth, when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop of some hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. Now listen, he says, he, he's talking about us. He who has ears, let him hear. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you. Now, he's talking about believers now. This, listen, he's talking about you and me. Let's don't miss that. Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has to him more will be given, and he will have abundance, but whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in, in them the prophecy of Isaiah fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear, and you shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the heart of this people has grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes. Now, so about your eyes, folks. You who have heard the gospel, you ever realize what a blessing that is? That he opened your eyes to the truth of God when so many's eyes have been closed to it. Blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear. He's talking, of course, about the great prophets of God in the Old Testament that hungered, these righteous, holy men of God, hungered, desired to see and to hear what you have seen and have heard. Can we praise God for that? <clears throat> Therefore, hear the parable of sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then wickedness comes out and stashes it away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives the seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself, but endures for a while. 
For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives the seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Thank you. Let me see. God's word's a marvelous, a marvelous thing. And there are lots of directions, you know, you could read this parable and take it. And, and we could talk about, and, and we will at some point, uh, how we know when some people hear the gospel, it, it just, they blow it off. And we know in, in sharing the gospel that sometimes it's, um, it's received and, uh, and uh, gladly at first and then just fades away in the life. And we know that sometimes people receive the gospel and they get concerned about other things. Oh, pastor, I'd be at church for Bible study, but I hear that all the time. The things choke them out. And we could eat that. But today I'm going to take it in a little different direction. Because we always look at the soil where the seed falls. But I want to take us in a little direction. And I know I'm faithful to the text. When I was a boy growing up in East Tennessee, I had a uncle that lived, he was married to my mother's sister who lived at Summitville, Tennessee. Now, uh, I mentioned that one time and Rick Jennings says, I know exactly where that's at. And, and on one of his business trips over to Morrison, he went by Summitville and he made some pictures on his camera and sent them to me of the little church where I used to worship with my aunt. And, and uh, um, Uncle S.L. went to a different church and his wife, but that's all right, he went. But every summer my dad went from the fourth grade on would put me on the bus in Chattanooga, it was safe enough to do that in those days, and I'd ride the 80 miles or so over to Manchester, and I'd get off the bus, and there'd be Uncle S.L. in his straw hat and overalls in his old international truck waiting on me, and he'd pick me up, and I'd spend all summer with him, helping him on the farm. He had, uh, he had three girls and one boy, and he needed help because he ran the general store, and he had uh, two big farms to operate, and and I learned to drive an Oliver crop master at a very early age. It was a wonderful experience being in that home. And I've always said that on my mother's side, my aunties and uncles were like second mamas and daddies. I don't know if you all have ever had that relationship with your aunts and uncles, but I had that. But Uncle S.L. had a brother-in-law named Beasley Gibson. Uncle Beasley, we call him, funniest guy you ever knew. He should have been on Hee Haw. But we were sitting there at the store early one morning, and I'd come over to help in the fall, and, um, and Uncle S.L. and Beasley were getting ready to put out the winter wheat crop, and we were sitting there talking, and, and they were talking, and finally Uncle S.L. said, to, looked over to Uncle Beasley, said, well, Beasley, we got to get moving. Because if you leave the seed in the barn... There won't be a harvest. If you leave the seed in the barn, there won't be a harvest. Well, that's true in terms of farming, isn't it? 
while back I was rummaging through some of my junk and I found a package of seed. I said, well, I never did plant this and it's probably too old now. It's not going to do anything. It would have grown some stuff if I'd have put it in the ground. If you leave seed in the barn, there won't be a harvest. That's true spiritually, church. See, I want this church to be a soul-winning church. And the way it becomes a soul-winning church is you become soul-winning disciples. And as I told you last Sunday, that's God's plan for every one of you here. If you are not a missionary for the Lord Jesus Christ, you're an imposter. Sorry. As a pastor, that makes feel, I mean to make you feel uncomfortable. I feel uncomfortable. I've got a guy's burden on my heart list right here in this community. I've tried to see him two times. I haven't seen him yet. But I let it slip off my agenda. It's got to get on my agenda. If I keep the seed in the barn, what's going to happen? There's not going to be a harvest in that man's life, is there? Huh? And that's true of so many of us. So what is true of farming is also spiritually true. As we saw last week, increasing numbers of Americans are not believers. And the country's getting in worse shape spiritually. And I said to some people's surprise, maybe, it's, it's really the church's fault. Because people aren't being touched with the gospel. So today I want to focus not upon the seed, although I will allude to it and where it falls. But I want to focus... On the sower. Uncle S.L. had this one hill that was so steep, but he always put wheat on it. We always had to plow it with horses because you couldn't get a tractor up there. And, 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 uh, and, and, and certainly couldn't get his big planting machine in there. So I remember I was about uh, 12 or 13. He took Laney, his son, and I out there, and, and he gave us a bag full of Seed. I think we were pouring, planting rye at that time, I think. But it's just an old cotton bag with seed. It wasn't one of these turns. And he took and he, and he showed us how to take our hand and then use our index finger. Some of you all have done this, I know. And sling the seed and it slings out in a line and covers. It doesn't just go in one spot. And, and so he taught us how to do that. We're going to have some sessions where we talk about how to plant the seed too. But, but he taught us how to do that. The sower has the important role to play in bringing in the harvest. You have to cultivate it. Yes, yes. But the initial step is with the sower. Regarding the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the completion of his ministry. Do you know who you are? You are the sower of the seed. You see, you are numbered among those, if you are a believer, who when the seed of the gospel fell into your heart, God had already prepared the soil of that heart. He might have done it through your parents. He might have done it through this or that. But he prepared this. And it took root and it grew, didn't it? And it stayed with you 
Thank God for those that sowed the gospel. Yes, don't be discouraged when some hear and some do not. When some receive for a moment and it fades away and, and all of that. You know, Jesus told you it was going to be like that when you witness the gospel to people. I remember I played semi-pro baseball. That's hard to imagine a fat old man like me once did that. But, but I, I remember playing one time and I went three games... And every time I came to bat, I hit a triple. I hit a lot of triples, not many home runs. Now, that's amazing. Got written up in Chattanooga Times, all that stuff. But, but then I struck out three times in a row. And my father, who had played professional baseball, said, well, you don't hit a home run every time. Well, there's going to be times in our witnessing, probably more than we want that people will not receive the gospel as, as we have sowed. But we must not let that determine what we do. You know, a lot of times people don't share the gospel because they are afraid of rejection. We have a dear sweet lady in this church who just said, God bless you to somebody the other way and got blasted out. <laughs> you know, that was a shock. I've had that happen lots of times. But, but the, the point is, though, you know, just expect that. But that does not stop us from sowing and sharing the gospel. You, you may not be aware, Lakeview, as we become faithful, what God will do through your witness. Your witness may be the source of the next Billy Graham. Did you know that? How many ever have heard of Dwight L. Moody? Anybody raise their hand? Dwight L. Moody, greatest evangelist of the 1800s. Led many, many people to Christ before they had the television and all of that. He, he, He preached the gospel. He founded a marvelous Christian school in New Hampshire to educate children that couldn't afford to go to school. And and founded the great Moody Church, which today, even in in the city of Chicago, is still a spiritual lighthouse to the United States. A businessman who ran a shoe store talked to Dwight L. Moody, who was a clerk and a rather rowdy boy at that. And he witnessed Jesus to him. And finally, one day in the shoe store, Dwight L. Moody accepted Jesus as the Savior. Now, wasn't a great evangelist or a great preacher that led him to the Lord. It was a businessman who was a diligent sower of the seeds of the gospel, who testified to Moody all the Lord had done in his life. You got that testimony. Oh, we heard a great one today. And I've heard it from many of you. All believers have a testimony about the great things God has done in their life and for them. And that's our seed. Charles Spurgeon, my favorite preacher, I guess. Grew up in a Christian home. His grandparents and his grandfather and 
and fathers well were preachers and, and there was a sense in which he always believed but he was never at peace with God. He'd never really been born again. And one snowy day he decided to go to church and he went to this little Baptist church where he was going to go and it was closed because of the snow. It was about 1870-something. And, and, and so he went down to this little primitive Methodist church. Now we don't have any of those in, anymore. Primitive Methodist Church were fireball gospel preaching churches. And he got there and the snowstorm was so bad that the pastor hadn't been able to, to show up. And so uh, the, the shoemaker, a man that made shoes, wasn't very well educated at all. Certainly uh, Spurgeon was well educated. But young Spurgeon sat there and as that man began to preach and teach, a layman Lay preacher, not ordained minister. That lay preacher, he said it was a very poor sermon and yet the power of God was in it. And he said there is a young man sitting here today that needs to make the complete surrender to Jesus Christ. And and Spurgeon said, I was that man. We've forgotten who that cobbler's name was, but every real Bible believer in the world knows about Charles Spurgeon. He wasn't important people, you see, just people that were faithful sowers of the gospel. And I myself, may I give my testimony, when I came under conviction and, and became a Christian, I still had not made the complete surrender because I did not want to go into the ministry and the call of Christ was on me. I knew that and I fought it hair tooth and toenail, did everything I could to ignore it. I was hitchhiking to Knoxville one night. Used to do a lot of that. Pouring down rain, Rockwood, Tennessee. Some of you know where it's at. For the days of the interstate, I'm a dinosaur. This truck load of steel with, with uh, Enid, Oklahoma, I think was the name on it. I know it's from Oklahoma. This driver, a Cherokee Indian, invited me in. And he was going all the way to Knoxville. I thought that was the best news I ever had. But the, that night, the last thing I wanted to talk about was the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only thing that driver wanted to talk about was the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you that kind of person? And I promise you, the young man that got out of that truck on 17th Street in Knoxville, Tennessee was a very different young man than the one that got into it. Now, I don't know that man's name right now. Praise God, I'm going to be in heaven soon, and I'll know it then, and I'll thank him. You see, the crop will not come in Lakeview. It will not come in Burlington if we, the believers who know Jesus Christ, keep the seed of the gospel in these walls, in the barn, so to speak. And you need to be seeking and praying every opportunity to share the goodness of Jesus Christ and his great love with everybody you can. I've been praying that. I haven't practiced that enough. I am a chief of sinners. I want to tell you, but 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 I uh, I am committing myself more and more to do this 
because I know that's what the Lord wants in my life. And I can say it with biblical authority this morning. That's what he wants in your life. I was telling Brother Ray this morning, this week I had the opportunity to share the gospel twice. Just to give you one quick one. Now, this person never come to church here. I wish he would. Incidentally, I wish we'd all bring some new believer to this church this year. Largest Presbyterian church, a Bible-believing Presbyterian church in the world is in Seoul, Korea. And when you come down to join the church in that church, you've got to bring something with you. It's not a check. It's a new believer that you have led to Christ. Boy, a lot of churches wouldn't have any growth at all if we required that here, would they? But that's a powerful thought. And I've made the commitment to, to, to really get serious about this. Will you get serious with me with your friends and neighbors? I was talking to this guy in a parking lot at, at, uh, outside a restaurant in Greensboro. He came up and asked for money. You know, that usually annoys people. As a Scotchman, it annoys me even when Elizabeth asked me for money. <laughs> but, but, but he asked me for money, and the, and the Lord spoke to my heart. You know, if, you, if you're seeking his will, you're seeking his purpose, he'll speak to you. Do you know that? And so the Lord said, give that man some money, but give him a testimony. So I gave him some money. I knew he was on drugs. I knew he, his life was all out of order. And, and I said, brother, I said, you're not real happy with the direction your life is going, are you? He says, well, no, sir, I'm, I'm not. And I said, uh, you know, and I know if you continue on this road that your life is going to lead you to a terrible place where you don't want to be. And I said, I want to tell you how to get your life right. I said, there's only one way, rich or poor, than any of us ever get a life right, and that is by committing our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. And that's the only way your life's going to get better. And then, then I just, again, sent somebody. I said, I bet you've got a grandmother, don't you, that loves the Lord and probably took you to church when you were little. He said, yes, I do. His eyes got about that big around, you know. And I said, go back to her. He said, I hadn't been there in a long time. I said, I don't care. Go back to her. Tell her you love her. And I bet she goes to a good Bible-believing church, doesn't she? She says, yes, so she does. I said, start going with you because that's the only way your life will be better. Now, let me tell you something. I know what you're saying. Well, preacher, you can say stuff like that, but I can't. Put yourself in the hand of God and see what he does. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, and I'm not the greatest spiritual giant in this church. I could name some people here whose shoes I don't feel worthy to untie. untie. But dear friends, put your life in the hands of God and see what he'll do. My son Jim gave me a card. He's a nurse, carries it. He had them printed up, paid for them out of his own pocket. And, and, and when he senses a person in need of the Lord, he was in a secular hospital. He, he really doesn't worry about getting fired over this. He's told me that. But he, he'll, he'll pray with them and then share the cards. He's got the, the Roman road, the, the Bible's way of telling us how to reach salvation. Instead, you're going to get a copy of that next week. In fact, you're going to be offered several copies. We're going to talk about it. But, but, uh, but to share the gospels, to spread the seed. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You can keep 
the blessed seed of the gospel that has come into your life in your personal barn if you want to. But the Lord Jesus will not be happy with you for doing that. And the Lord Jesus will not bless your life to the fullness you could know if you do that. Every person in this room I trust has a testimony of what Jesus has done for them. You got that testimony? If you don't have it, come and talk to me. We need to pray. Tell people that. Tell him what the love of Jesus has done for you. And the joy and peace and assurance it's brought into your life. And the comfort it is through good times and bad. Amen. You will spread that seed. You're not going to leave it in the barn. Oh yeah, sometimes people ignore it. Sometimes they get choked out. But here and there, there will be somebody hear it. And they'll say, Brother Mike, I believe, help me. And you bring them to church. Now, I don't know how long the Lord's going to leave me here. That's up to him. He might take me home tonight. But as long as they're here, they're going to hear the blessed gospel of Jesus Christ at Lakeview. They're going to know his wonderfulness of his salvation. They're going to know that that gospel is for them if they believe. You know, Ray, you got a tough field, Duke University. But here and there. There'll be opportunity more there. I said that because Duke is hostile to the gospel. Now, they'd raise Cain if they heard me say that. I hope somebody calls the president and tell them I said that, and they'll come and ask me why, and I'll tell them exactly why. But listen to what I'm saying, folks. We are not going to change this community. And God is not going to use us to change life. If we keep our seed of the gospel in the barn. We need to be sowers. Not retainers. Sowers. Of the seed. And as Edith Ann used to say. On Laugh-In. Whose show Elizabeth's parents wouldn't let her watch. Probably for good reason. But Edith Sam was a little girl. I was actually, I can't even remember the actress's name. But she sat in a rocking chair and she'd tell something. Well, that's all I've got to say about that. Well, I'd be lying if I said that's all I've got to say about that. But that's all I've got to say about that today. God bless you.